Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is A.B. Turan, 25 years of career and volunteer experience, currently a captain of training and safety for a department in Middlesex County, Connecticut. A.B. is one of those guys who didn't forget that his love and passion for the fire service came from being a volunteer first and foremost. There is no denying when you hear A.B. talk, he's all in when it comes to giving a damn about the service and making it better than he found it. With that, I present... Mr. A.B. Turen. Hey, good morning. What's happening, Danny? It's A.B. Turen here from Connecticut. Uh, contrary to popular belief, well, my name is A.B., no relation to Danny B. except for the brotherhood that we share with the fire service. Uh, I started my career in the fire service or my journey here in the fire service back in June of 1998. I was 18 right out of high school, and I started volunteering in my local fire department in the town of Plainfield, Connecticut. Um, small mill community in eastern Connecticut, um, about 43 square miles, made of four separate tax, tax districts. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough right off the get-go to get into a pretty proactive and progressive department in the district that I resided in. Uh, within my first year, uh, I got my fire one. At that point in time, we had a, a first responder called MRT, medical response technician. It's your foot in the door. It's an avenue so you can start, you know, responding to calls for service and being somewhat of an asset. I mean, at 18, I think, in your own mind, you're the greatest asset because obviously you know it all, done it all in the first five seconds you've been there. Um, that was a lesson learned over 25 years we get into at a later time. Um, I spent my time volunteering in the town of Plainfield uh, from June of 98 up until April of 2021. Sorry. And uh, my family and I relocated for my current position. Uh, part of the process was that I had to leave uh, the volunteer organization. Other than that, I'd still be involved in it. I'd still be involved in it heavily. Um, I'm a big advocate of giving back to your community, getting involved. I wouldn't have anything today career-wise if it wasn't for the education and the experience that I earned and gained through my volunteer service. Um, I'm proud to be a volunteer. I'm proud to have done 20 some odd years in the town of Plainfield. And, uh, you know, through that, I was I was blessed to uh, come in contact with many, many great people, uh, both career and volunteer, who have helped to influence uh, you know, who I am and where I'm at today in respect to this job. Um, over that time period, uh, I, I was part of a, uh, a volunteer private entity, uh, BLS Ambulance. I uh, worked a little bit here and there, part-time commercial ambulance. I've had part-time gigs since I was 14. I mean, that's that's just today's day and age. you got to hustle. you got to grind all the time. Um, I, I worked predominantly on uh, my career side, uh, industrial base. Uh, my tenure was with the Electric Boat Fire Department in Groton, Connecticut, uh, submarine capital of the world. Uh, I spent nine years as a firefighter there. Um, through there, again, you know, ex- extensive training and education with hazmat-related incidents, um, specialty rescue. Um, we did some fairly unique things. It's not every day. I mean, you can stretch an inch and three quarter into a ranch all day long. When are you going to do that into a you know Los Angeles class submarine? It's definitely a unique experience. Um, you know, at the end of the day, industrial base, it is what it is. It's all about fire prevention. Um, you know, plant and site protection, but we were on the run card for the first due. So, I mean, if, if the city of Groton was burning, we were burning. So I didn't really get have to miss any of that aspect of it. Um, you know, allowed for me to build a resume, uh, provided an opportunity for me to get secondary education uh, while I was there. 
in my 30s. I finished my bachelor's degree from the University of Connecticut. I went on from there to earn a master's degree in public administration from the fire service from Anna Maria, uh, Paxton, Massachusetts. If you don't know what Paxton is, it's Worcester. Everybody knows what Worcester is. So it's mm -hmm. right around mm -hmm. the corner there. And then um, a little bit more industrial based side of that. Uh, so I left for about a two year hiatus, um, you know, in conjunction with my wife and I, um, we made the decision for me to, to get a different, a different role, I guess, if you will, uh, to help alleviate some stuff at home with my health and whatnot. And uh, after my tenure there, I ended up taking a job as a, a construction safety manager um, for a, a very reputable construction management company. And I, I ran safety for the entire Connecticut operation. Um, two years doing that, you know, I still had the bug, still had the passion, still had the love and drive. I was still active as a volunteer in the town I grew up and resided in. And uh, I said, you know, enough is enough. I took care of my health. I said, I got to get back into this. Um, so just to kind of kind of get my feet wet and get my taste in for it again. I, I went back into the industrial side. I uh, worked for the, one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the country. Uh, Pfizer Pharmaceutical has a, a fire department. Hmm. Again, a lot of it, you know, fire prevention, fire inspection, uh, predominantly hazmat, a lot of hazmat over there. And then uh, that was my way though, you know, getting getting back into the game. And uh, I had two job offers at the age of 41. And uh, one was within you know, the city of Rotten, where I resided for most of my tenure as a career fireman. And the other was where I'm at now. And uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, when it comes down to brass tacks, I chose where I'm at now for the opportunity of growth and development for my own personal career. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, not to be cliche, hashtag staffing matters, but staffing matters. And, you know, I, I, I spent some time working as a part-timer as well on the shoreline in East Lyme. And uh, you want to talk about staffing. I mean, I'd roll out there, you know, driving a heavy rescue or an engine pumper by myself. Hopefully, mm -hmm. the next due will arrive. Hopefully, some volunteers will come to supplement. You're not guaranteed anything. I'm um, looking at the contracts I chose to go where I'm at now. Um, uh, currently, I'm uh, captain of training and safety for a career department in Middlesex County, Connecticut. And uh, it's a, it's an unbelievable department, great opportunity, great infrastructure, and their staffing is a four-man engine, a four-man truck, 24-7. Like, how good is that? I mean, you, to have a four-man engine, period, pretty unheard of around the country. Mm -hmm. And to, to know that there's eight guys on a shift for 24 hours to have your back, you can get a lot done with eight guys. And and their culture, their mindset, mentality, right off the rip, it was evident when I walked in the door there that they they make it happen, they get it done with an engine and a truck and they're very self-sufficient. It's, it's been a blessing ever since I've been there. So, um, but that's, that's pretty much the last 25 years. Um, I love it. I absolutely enjoy it. <clears throat> I've had the opportunity um, here and there to, I, I've been fortunate enough to have written a few articles, training articles for fire engineering. Um, and I've been brought in from uh, outside departments and other agencies to provide training. Uh, most recently, uh, pretty fortunate through my current position, I successfully obtained my, Fire Service Instructor 3 from the state of Connecticut for the Fire Academy. So, you know, training itself has kind of always been a passion. Um, it's not so much teaching and instructing, but I just, I love training. I love getting things done. I like getting guys together. And I like making it happen, um, which is also, you know, something we can talk, we're going to talk about a little bit afterwards is Hops and Halligans, that, that my drive and passion for the training aspect is why I started this nonprofit. So, uh, but that leads me from 1998 up to here and uh, going on December, what, tomorrow? Two more days. We got December 2023. It's been yep. a crazy ride. It's been a crazy ride. Um, I'll be 44 in April. And a lot of people actually think I'm late 20s, early 30s. Maybe I clean up well when I shave, but uh, 
you know, 25 years, I, I've been pretty blessed to have, have been able to go along for this ride and met a tremendous amount of people, tremendous amount of people. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, I do like the fact that you, you stated that, you know, you wouldn't be where you're at today without being a volunteer first. I think volunteers are essential uh, in the fire service. Uh, 100%. Studies 100%. have shown that there are more volunteers than professional paid. And, um, you know, to, for like, like you volunteers set, they, they established my roots and my love for the fire service. And I never forgot it because without being a volunteer, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So, um, I definitely, uh, hats off for, for stating how, how important, uh, being a volunteer was first, uh, because that's how a lot of people or most people, I should say, get their start into the fire service is by, by getting the taste of that, of that volunteerism. That chapter by no means is closed. It's, you know, as part of it was the agreement with the job function, relocate my family. Um, but, you know, we've, we've now been here for three years and uh, we have a very, very good, again, you know, proactive and progressive volunteer department. Um, I, I plan on getting my my feet back, you know, in the roots of volunteering again, as as the time permits, um, just letting mm-hmm. a few things play out. But, you know, I've, I've been able to get involved in other ways in this community since we relocated here through, you know, we found ourselves a new church. Uh, I've been a youth football coach now for three years. Um, but just, you know, I'm blessed. It's all around us. It's all around us. You just got to find those opportunities, you know. And uh, as soon as that opportunity arises again to volunteer, 100%, I'll be there. I agree. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, with you mentioning staffing, uh, one of my – it's funny to me how, you know, we all know NFPA recommends you need to have a certain number of – individuals on your apparatus and you have jurisdictions that are trying the best that they can but to me it seems like they're they're uh trying to figure out the word it seems to me their their priorities i think are kind of mixed up because you know they will hit heavily on making sure uh you know for example helmets your helmets have a life expectancy and God forbid something happens to you and your, let's just say your helmet was one day late out of date, you know, that could be the, the end all be all of your family getting benefits. God forbid if something happens, but yet we have fire trucks that are rolling out of these stations in cities, towns, municipalities. I've done, I've done interviews where it's four people, three people, but astoundingly a lot are like two you know, the, the helmet stuff, the gear stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, NFPA is a standard. Um, I kind of want to look at it as more of a recommendation. Like we're an OSHA state here to begin with, but OSHA is going to say, what does NFPA say? But that stuff, me personally, my belief, my my firm opinion is it's a profit-driven industry. Um, you know, you sit, something sits on a shelf for five years. You're trying to tell me that that five years that it sat on a shelf, it lost its longevity? Uh-huh. Ab- absolutely not. You know, there's turnout gear, which is an astronomical amount of money, especially for these small local volunteer departments. And then on top of that, you got to have a spare set. When someone's not an interior firefighter or the gear has been stowed for quite some time, you're telling me it loses its longevity. It, it loses its ability to protect. I don't buy into it. Sorry. I'm, I'm all for, for safety. Safety is paramount. Safety is number one. But some of these standards, it's really hard. It's hard to understand or, or fathom why they're there when it really what it does is it handicaps these departments, handicaps these people that have small operating budgets. How are you to become kosher and compliant 
when you don't have the funding or the means. But what do we do? We'll, we'll cut staffing. And now we have all the money in the world because we're not paying comp. We're not paying Social Security. We're not paying insurance. We're not paying these salaries and wages. But you know, at the end of the day, everyone's got two spare sets of gear and a brand new plastic dome beef. What are you sacrificing? You know, staffing matters. And it's it, it studies have proven it time and time again. You know, you go, you go back, read any NIOSH report. You start getting to the bottom lines, a lot of line of duty deaths. And what's one of the reoccurring themes, a majority of them, staffing. You know, staffing yeah. does not allow for the appropriate or proper operations to take place. And sometimes there's quite the delay in getting that staffing there. I talked earlier briefly. I mentioned the shoreline. Spent about four years as a part-time fireman on the shoreline in Connecticut. Time and time again, I'd roll out of there. Cardiac event, you know, code. I'd walk out of there smoking the building with alarm sounding. I'm by myself, praying, rolling the dice. But that's what the tax payers, that's what the politicians are willing to do. Let's save face. I got I got four barn doors closed. It looks like the Taj Mahal of a firehouse. It's littered with millions of dollars of apparatus. So as long as you drive by and you see that, it's copacetic. Things are great. Mm -hmm. Until it's you that dials 911 and you're sitting there scratching your head saying, where's everybody else? Well, I'm sorry, ma'am. It's just me. Let me retone real fast. I'll get another engineer. Or it's the next district in, the next county in, the next town. So you're sitting there. And, and, and what are you what are you doing to that fireman or that company officer who's there by themselves who has to be a chauffeur, a pump operator, incident command, perform a size up, secure a water supply, and God forbid if there's like an imminent grab, act. That's a lot on someone's shoulders for minimal pay, a lot for minimal pay. But when you have a love for the job and you have a passion to want to do that, you roll with it. You take the risks because I'd rather be able to do that. I'd rather be able to fulfill that role than not do it at all out of spite for staff. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was, man, I don't remember, but I know whenever I mentioned this, some of the listeners are going to know who it was. Uh, he was on the scrap with Corley and he stated how much the guy, how much absurd amount of money this guy makes for the, for the fire service. I can't remember. God dang it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to it. But anyways, anyways, your department, Um, I forgot to ask, can you tell me a little bit about the size, uh, your call volume, uh, things of that nature? Absolutely. Yeah. So we are, so we're based out of Middlesex County, Connecticut. Um, we are located literally in the center of the state. We're about 20 miles away from Hartford, which is the capital. Uh, the town itself is made up of three separate departments, three separate tax districts. Um, while we're all there, we're doing the same job, the same fundamentals, the same skill set. Um, we have one full-time career department that has extra, extraordinary staffing, uh, something that I wish every department had in the area. Uh, 24-7, and they run a, a four-group rotation, and they have a battalion on, on shift at all times. Um, the department that I work for now, um, we've got a fire marshal's office. We've got a fire marshal, deputy fire marshal. Uh, for administration, we have a chief and a deputy chief. Uh, there's myself, who's the captain of training and safety. And then we have four platoons, which is a four-man engine, a four-man truck. Uh, the engine's got a lieutenant, a chauffeur, and two firefighters. And the truck's got a captain, a chauffeur, and two firefighters. And, uh, you know, it's, again, for eight guys or eight people, men and women, 
uh, we, we we do quite a bit. It's not just fire suppression. It's not just rendering aid for EMS. Um, we have a uh, designated group. There's uh, eight eight divers and eight tenders who are part of a uh, I don't want to use the word regionalized, but <clears throat> a local dive team which is which is made up of uh, two other departments and ourselves. When there is an incident, uh, we cover I think I believe over seven miles of the Connecticut River itself. Um, you know, we do we uh, every person in our department has has gone through. Um, core rescue, uh, uh, rope technician, confined space rescue. I mean, we do it all. We, we're surrounded by some farmland. We're surrounded by residential from, you know, triple deckers, uh, balloon frame duplexes, all the way to, you know, 4,000 square foot McMansions with not a single hydrant in sight. Um, a lot of commercial and industry. It's it's very diverse. You know, mm -hmm. we've got we've got a main body of water. We've got a highway. You've got colleges. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable place to work. And and you know, I said it since the day I walked in the door. I said, you know, this I take pride in being here. Uh, it's a great opportunity to do and see things that you won't see in most typical rural and municipal departments. And uh, I love it. It's you know, it's been a, it's been three years. It's been a great ride. And you know, I mean, I haven't lost the passion since I was eighteen. I haven't lost that drive there either. It's it's just it gets better every day. It gets better every day. And and, and knowing. Knowing that I have, when I do, when I was on the line, at least, you know, knowing that I had seven other bodies, like it made you feel good. You know, you guys could do a lot and get a lot done. Right. And, and likewise, those seven other people, every single one of them, right, wrong, or indifferent, everyone's got a strength. Everyone's got a unique ability. So there's people there to rely on who's the carpenter by trade, who does, you know, rope and rigging all day, every day, who's been on the job and has the, the, um, geographical and institutional knowledge because they've been there for 28 years you know there's there's those seven other bodies around you are, are are why you are successful or why you are where you are today because you're surrounded by great people great like-minded people that love the job all right awesome um one question that you wanted to hit hard on so i'm going to ask you should there be a use of service clause for promotion yeah, one of the reasons I chose that specific topic um, are the ones you have. And, uh, you know, we don't have to divulge in great detail, I guess. I mean, I only have, what, an hour here? So. Ah, um, you can you go as long as you need. As long as you need. A hundred percent. You got to have a tenure in the service for promotion. Um, I think a testing process is great. But at the end of the day, I know very high-skilled, quality firemen who literally – now, you know, again, another cliche quote, I, I I would I would risk my life with them and I know they'd have my back in any situation like they are the man. However, sometimes they don't test well, whether it's anxiety, whether it could be like a you know, cognitive learning disability. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, that's the guy you want backing you up on that line. That's the guy you want operating the pump panel. That's the one you want wheeling a truck down a narrow street like these guys get the job. They love the job and they do the job. But unfortunately, due to sometimes a flawed system where, well, they didn't necessarily score as high, so they're not that high on the list. Well, that sucks because you want to have the best person, man or woman. You want to have that best person for that position to influence, to make decisions, and to get things done. And uh, so I definitely believe that you have to have a tenure in the fire service, not so much a tenure in the department. And uh but when it comes down to it, you you got to have some type of variables in order to gauge that. Um, I was pretty fortunate. Again, I came in there at 41 years old. 
I had quite you know quite the background of education and experience. Well, I didn't have the the experience with that specific department. I came I came with a good resume. I mean, I, I'm a humble dude, but at the end of the day, yeah, I'm new here. But you got to respect the fact that I came from someplace. I didn't walk in off the street, and I was pretty fortunate because I was diligent over the years, and I and I earned that education and, and I got that experience that. After two years in, I was able to test for the position I'm in now. And, um, you know, it wasn't handed to me. It, it wasn't a uh, let's pull a straw. Um, my department does a great job when it comes to hiring entry-level firemen when it comes to doing promotions because they utilize a third party and they come in. The third party comes in, does a written exam. You got to, you know, and, and it's nice because, you know, in advance, there's a reading list. There's criteria. You know what to expect. You know what to prepare and study for. You put in the work. And then you have to score a certain percentage on the written to move forward. After the written, you move forward and you have the oral panel. Again, third party, which is phenomenal. And then you get a cumulative score. And then depending on your tenure with the department, you get a certain percent added. If you hold uh, rank already, it gets added and so forth. Um, I was fortunate. Two years on the job, I got to change my entire lifestyle. Um, 43 years old. I now be got to become the captain of training and safety. Uh, my wife and I married 17, 17 years. I should probably check that first. Um, but, you know, we have three beautiful, wonderful children at home. And this allows for me now to be home more, to 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 be that father, to be that husband, um, to, to, to help out, to help get more of a uh, quote-unquote normal lifestyle, you know, while I'm having a very difficult time adjusting Monday through Friday working days. All right. It, you know, because that, I mean, that's obviously another perk of the job is, is the schedule is great, especially spending 24 hours with guys you love. Like it's amazing. Um, but this, this provided for me an opportunity financially to help prepare, uh, 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 provide for my family on a different note. It helped me to be there more physically and emotionally, but at the same time for like my own career advancement, you know, I mean, again, I, I, I worked hard to get the, to get a degree. I've worked hard to, you know, to maintain certain credentials and certifications over the years. Well, I'd love to be a backstep fireman my entire career. There's nothing wrong with that. I wish I could, but I have goals. I have desires. I have dreams. There's things I'm working towards. And in order to do that, I got to take that step back. I got to take on those other roles. I got to continue to build my resume. I got to get molded and shaped into whatever comes next. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm going around a little bit, but so, you know, yeah, I, I do believe you have to have a tenure, but not necessarily a tenure in the department. Um, you have to have a tenure on the job because you, I mean, you can't lead somebody. I think it was Frank Viscuso. It's a great quote. He said, it's like, you know, some company officers are like travel agents. They're trying to take you someplace they've never been. Well, if you don't have that exposure and that experience, how are you supposed to be a good officer and lead them there? Right. right. So just because you don't have it in that particular place and time, you have it with you when you brought it there. I think it goes a long way. Um but you know, I, I know for, for my particular department, you have to be on the line as a fireman. I want to say it's five years. Five years, I believe, to test for lieutenant, to ride on the engine. But even once promoted, you still have to do your time for a minimum of three before you can test up to become a ship captain. Like, you know, they definitely put things into place to uh, to prepare people for success, not to just throw somebody in a position. You know, we need a body here. Here's a microphone. Have fun. Like they they do their due diligence to prepare you in advance with training, with education, with ensuring that there's a policy in place. And it also makes it fair and equitable along the line, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I talked earlier about, you know, one of my deciding factors besides staffing is the other agency that I had the job offer at the same time. Their staffing was five. We've got eight. They were uh, 2448. Our guys are 2472. You know, so there was a little bit of schedule involved. But at the end of the day, there was minimal room for advancement. They ran a three group system and they had one company officer on per ship. You had to work there for 13 years in order to even test for that. Right. At the time, I was 41. I mean, right. do the math. I really don't want to work till I'm eight. You know? <laughs> I don't think my wife wants me to either. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. you got to find that great balance. You got to find the good balance of time on the job and tenure. You got to find that balance of knowledge and education. And you got to create that criteria to take out those variables of nepotism, favoritism, the good old boy system. And you got to make it as fair as possible. Um, but like I said earlier, too, there's there's obviously there's great candidates out there. That would be unbelievable company officers, but unfortunately, they may not test well. And another thing I like a lot of departments I've seen in the area, they have the opportunity as administration to pick from the top three. So someone who might have placed third, you know damn well, is like the next chief of that department. Mm -hmm. You have that opportunity to give them that opportunity, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I, I believe the system is flawed. Uh, 100%, 100%. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to test taking, because I can attest to it because I am one of those individuals. I have to literally put my nose in the books for weeks, if not months prior to the next exam to get it. And there's some people who can just open the book the day before, take it and score high. And it's like nothing to them. You know, there's anxiety, there's doubting yourself. I don't know how many times when I was younger, I remember the teacher would be like, I can see that you, you, you filled in this answer, but you erased it. And you went to another answer when that answer was correct. Can you tell me why? And I'm like, I, I just, I, I, you know, I second guess myself Stick and with your gut all the time, I, you know, I've always, I have failed tests like that. Luckily, some teachers were able to see that and they're like, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let you retake it and things of that nature. But, you know, they can't do that with, with promotional assessments. And I'm not saying that if you, if you're a great test taker, you won't be a great leader. That's not what I'm saying. But I think, I think there are some individuals out there who get, who don't get the spot because their number, they didn't score high enough on a test when they can go out and rock the hands-on portion or, you know, the scene size of scenario compared to the other individual who is just a great test taker, but maybe not a, you know, won't make a, a great officer, but well, just my opinion only. I mean, I, I could think right off the rip, my mentor, when I got hired here, you know, push come to shove, he, I would say he might be the kind of person that could possibly clam up a little bit for a written exam, but that's not who he is. When those tones drop, that dude is laser focused. And like I said, that's the guy you want to be mm -hmm. on the line. That's the mm -hmm. guy you want promoted because that dude, knows the job, loves the job, you know, and there's a big difference too. Like you talked a little, you know, you mentioned, I, I'll call it work ethic. You find out in advance, you're hitting those books. Those same guys test taking that are hitting those books are the same ones that when the firemen on the floor, they're opening up the map books. They're looking at cross streets they're identifying hydrants. They're checking out the construction type of their first due district. Those are the guys you want making those decisions because they give a shit. They care. They're putting in that extra effort. The guys that will wing that test are going to wing it when they get on scene. Mm -hmm. eh, we'll see what we get when we got there. Eh, we'll play it by ear. That doesn't fly, man. Not in this job. Maybe putting a recipe together, you can have a little bit too much baking soda. Weird analogy, but at firemen, you, you can't do like you can't do like that. You got to be prepared. You got to be vigilant. You know. Absolutely. No, absolutely correct. Um, 
with you being the training and safety officer for your department, how do you um, cope with or or what's your take on realistic training on a small budget? So I've been pretty fortunate again. I mean, I don't use that word a lot, but I am. I, I've been blessed. I and mean, my entire fire service career, I've been very, very blessed. And uh, it's actually been a very easy transition when it comes to that. Um, a, we have a pretty decent training budget. I've never had to be denied training myself. I've never had to deny anyone else. Um, we've posted, in, in, in my short tenure in this department, we've posted five separate uh, academy classes in our department. We've brought in you know, off the rip, I could think of at least seven different outside agencies or instructors we brought in for training. Like there's never a time where there's not training, especially when it comes to funding and budgets. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, one thing that, I, that I've been able to do, and I got this from my volunteer side, because I also was the training officer where I volunteered as well, utilizing the stuff around you. You know, you, you got to network, you got to make friends. These are the taxpayers who you're providing a service to. They're the ones that vote whether you have a job or a budget. So when you're out there and you're constantly networking, you're doing other things PR-wise, that's the opportunity to extend that hand, shake it, and say, hey, if you don't mind. And you'd be surprised. You get a lot when you ask. You know, it's it's the, I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, you didn't know because you didn't mm -hmm. ask. You didn't ask. Yeah. I had an apartment complex, and I'm on the regular. They'd have to evict somebody. They'd go in. They'd vacate that specific unit. Hey, AB, uh, we got about two weeks till crunch time. You want to come in, stretch lines. You want to breach walls. You want to smoke the place out. It's no different here. You go out. There's constant new development, and and it's been it's been very nice because we're out to train in the real world environment. We we've had structures that we've either been able to acquire, and we can accommodate them uh, to make you know different adjustments for doing rid operations, for fire suppression operations, truck company operations. You name it, we have the ability to do it. But even some of like the new construction stuff, we've had opportunities prior to drywall. We can go in and do this. Or once they're going to demo this aspect, we can come and do this. They're building a brand new supermarket um, down in our first new district. And the building they tore down, again, just went down, introduce yourself, you shake the hand. We got five steel doors and frames at no cost. Think about the forceful entry that we're able to do now. So, we, you know, again, you talk about that senior man. I got a guy who was my senior man on the ship I got off of. Again, they don't make people like him anymore. Not a, not a bad bone in this dude's body. I love the guy. Like family, three years, he's my family. The dude's a carpenter by trade. He can fix, make, or do anything when it comes to that. And he's now going to install two of those doors in our forcible entry prop. He's going to install two of those doors into one of our acquired structures. We're going to keep another one on hand when they get beat up. You know, um, we've been very fortunate to have items donated, whether it's uh, funding for training, whether it's it's tools and equipment, uh, whether it's the the use of you know, a school bus to perform like a extrication for, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we have one, two, we have two elementary schools. We have a private high school and we have a college just in our first due district right off the top of my head. There's traffic, there's bus traffic. It's routine. It's happened. It happens all the time. Right. We have that ability because of great networking with the bus company and, and, and the city uh, municipal departments that we're able to utilize buses to do those type of mass casualty incidents or like, you know, you, you, you can do extrication in a four-door sedan all day, every day till you're blue in the face. When's the last time you stabilize a school bus? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, very fortunate. Like my, my second week in this position, um, I just, you know, again, I'm new to that area. And I, I, I don't deny that. I don't deny that I, ha I lack a tenure in that specific area. 
Um, but I make an effort every day. I spend 30 minutes in district learning the area, driving around, identifying hazards that I like to bring back for training purposes. Uh, but my first week or two, I'm in there and I'm, I'm trying to put together a few different cross streets to see what ends up for water supply. And I stumble upon a, a very reputable and large crane operation company that travels across New England for major demolition and construction. It's a controlled environment, but it's not the firehouse bay. Like I, there's nothing better than getting guys out of the bay. Mm -hmm. Because even if you're doing the same job function a mile down the road, you're out of those four walls, people are more vested. And that's what it's all about, creating that buy-in, creating that investment and wanting to be there. So I'm driving around, I pop in, I shake my hand, I shake some hands, I introduce myself. I say, hey, not for nothing. You think we can come down? You got a lay down area with all your pads and your crane weights and so forth. I said, maybe we can come down and, and work with our airbags, work with our TL9, work with our cribbing, you know, work, work with our, our struts. We went down, all four platoons spent you know, a plethora of time utilizing all of our different types of equipment for stabilization, lifting, and cribbing. And it was awesome. It was a great refresher for some. It was a it was a uh introduction to others. But again, you're getting to utilize stuff that's at no cost to yourself. You're now networking, have establishing better relations with the community, but you're also out there learning that job and honing those skills. Because on the when the bell rings, that's not the time to learn it. Right. And and, and again, you know, Operating outside of a budget or not having a budget, not having the ability to acquire all these things, you just use what's in your backyard. It's all there for you. And people are always more than willing. I, I, I ran something right in the spring, uh, start of spring fall for platoons. And, you know, again, you know, it wasn't received well with everyone, but um, I didn't tell people we had scheduled training for the day. And I, and I let people go out amongst their day, doing their daily chores, going through their equipment, whatever they're doing. And boom, I drop the tones. I call dispatch in advance. I say, here's the scenario. Tone it out. Please advise. This is the drill. And then we have a designated channel that we're going to operate on. So we don't you know, announce to the world. But I, you know, I'm just, I'm out in the neighborhood and I and I, I meet someone in Mulmer Law and I said, not for nothing. I, uh, how would you feel about this? And I threw out the idea. So what I what I did was I had four separate, separate homes in our district on four separate days, four separate platoons, and they randomly got toned out for a structure fire. And it's it's a good way to see how they react when they're in the middle of doing a task to be able to adjust and adapt and go to work. And then once they realize it's a drill, they take it down a notch, but are they, are they getting in the right areas for their apparatus? Are they donning the right appropriate equipment? Are they getting off the rig empty handed? Are, how's the radio communication? Are they doing their size ups? What diameter and length line are they stretching based off the residents? What, uh, you know, where are they putting that front line? So forth. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be any prouder. Because every platoon executed it to a T, you know, it, it size ups are on point. They're, they're utilizing their tablets and route, looking up the address. They're identifying their water supplies. They're given direction to make room for the truck. They operate, you know, the chauffeur of the truck's getting the turntable set up. He's laddering the building. Captain's doing his 360 with his tick. Guys are getting the right appropriate line to the front door. I mean, it was clockwork. And again, training doesn't have to take hours on end. This drill, in an essence, was done and over with within 15 minutes of time of call. Mm -hmm. And then we go back and we bring that specific residence up on, on the big screen with Google Maps, Google Earth, and we start to dissect it a little bit. What if we had, you know, high velocity, this color smoke push from this area, it's this time of day, what are you going to do? And it, it causes people to start using their brains. But you'd be surprised how much people know. You know, you unfortunately, some people give people the benefit of the doubt. 
I respect everyone. I, I know that our guys are good at what they do. And, uh, but it, it's reassuring when you sit there and boom, without hesitation, they start spitting stuff out. I'm like, these guys are on point. This is why I'm proud to be here. This is why I take pride in my job. These guys are awesome. And it's those little small drills like that, that we, you know, we did, whether they realize it or not, we're focusing on our company policies and procedures. We're focusing on our radio communications. We're focusing on our PPE, donning and doffing equipment. We're focusing on building construction and size up. I mean, all that transpires in 15 minutes and they're actually learning a lot and doing a lot. Um, and again, it costs us nothing. It's it, and and what and again, these same taxpayers doing the PR and outreaching, they see us and go, "Wow, they're not being re re recliner line, rhinos. They're they're not just chilling having coffee. They're out there getting it done when they don't have to get it done." How do you think they feel about that? How about the level of reassurance that they're getting on that end? You know, we tip hands down. We typically train some type of structured or organized training Monday through Thursday. Because whoever works Monday is going to be working Friday. So that's kind of a, a makeup day, a lax day or whatever. Um, the weekends and holidays, that's their time. They earn it, you know. Um, but it's amazing how much they still train even without the structure and organized training. Um, I'm, I'm I'm very tight with my old shift that I came off with. I love those guys dearly. Um, if it's a holiday, now that I'm fortunate enough as you know an admin schedule, like I'm not there, I still make it a point to show up. I have dessert with them. I'll have breakfast with them. I'll have coffee, whatever. Um, but you know, even there's been, <laughs> there's been times uh, that cedar man I talked about, so I love the guy dearly. He's an amazing person. Uh, he does this thing called night mode when he works. Basically night mode is a couple of the guys getting around the coffee table, shooting the shit and having a snack. It's an excuse to have a snack and what it is before bed. But you'd be surprised how many times I'll get a FaceTime at 10 at night from these guys. Night mode, you know, and I, and I love it because I don't forget where I came from. They didn't forget about me. There's been a bond. What I'm getting at though, is there's so many times I'll randomly pop in just to say, hi, I'm in the area, or they'll send me a picture. These guys are out there on a Saturday night at 8.30 doing rope systems out in the bay. No one asked them to do it. No one told them to do it. And they sure as hell didn't have to do it. It's because they want to. It's because they care. You can't teach that level of work ethic. You can't teach that drive and passion. It's one thing to enforce a policy. You will train from 8 to 9 today on this subject. That's different. These guys willingly want to do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, again, that's that's where that that sense of pride, that level of pride comes from because I know the people I'm working with. That's how they feel about the job. I didn't want to interrupt you. Actually, Sorry. I don't. I, no, 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 no. I don't like interrupting people just so just so they can get that flow going. And and man, I mean, you you hit it perfectly. But the biggest kudos I want to give to you is the fact that your department allows for outside instructors, outside training to come in and talk to the men and women of your department. I don't know how many departments I've heard. I talk to people where, oh, we had such and such come in. Oh, cool, man. I'll try to see if I can get that done. Hell no, that ain't happening because either the administration doesn't like the messages that the that that's you know speaker or instructors trying to state it goes against their mission it wasn't their idea whatever the case may be i think it is awesome when a department allows for outside individuals to come in to spread the gospel of giving a damn about the job and number two i like the fact of how you incorporate your trainings with the men and women it's not just like a, a something stagnant you could do something very sporadic 
or but just the fact that you you allow them to you allow them to be firemen like that's 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 the biggest the biggest part of it that, that i think is awesome that, that all stems from a top down i mean we're again i use the word blessed i use the word fortunate a lot because i truly am uh it's the administration you know if you can justify a reason a need a desire uh, our, our our top two our top two brass are, are are the shit they like they really are they care they get it they are firemen like my chief himself like when you talk about fireman's fireman that dude will run circles around anybody and he's like a little kid we just got done doing our annual 1403 training that guy was in the building more than any person i've ever met like cuz he still has that passion that drive so you think he's going to deny training? Absolutely not. So it stems from the top down. If you go to them and you ask for it, unless it's something like outlandish, they're not going to send us to like, you know, dropping water from a plane type of training. But right. granted, right. I will say about a year and a half ago, about 18 months ago, we did have a, a brush fire in our district that was just over, I believe, 500 square miles. Okay. Um, it okay. was huge. It was huge. Um. Maybe I had the wrong number. They're not square miles, but 500 acres. My apologies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I did yeah. say at the beginning, I've been up since 240 for that fire. So, <laughs> you know. so again, I got that benefit of being home every night. But, you know, when the, when the, when the tones go and I'm off duty, I got a company car. I got to go in. No, no um, I, I get you. But, uh, you know, it's, it stems from the top, uh, you know, and, and they encourage it and, and they want it. And it's not just them. It's the company officers, too. A lot, you know, a lot of times, like, hey, do you got anything planned for the day? I'm like, I do. Why? What's up? And they have another idea. I'm like, Screw it. Run with it. It's their job. It's their shift. You know, I'll never discourage training, uh, but, you know, and, but they're very good about bringing in outside people. Like I, I, I'm a big no, no. When it comes to like, you know, death by PowerPoint, that, that's mm. not why we're there. You're oh, not getting yeah. anyone's vested interest. There are non-negotiables. There's compliance things you have to do. Mm -hmm. However, if you can avoid it. You avoid it. But I like bringing in the outside resources because, you know, you and I in our own departments can come in and we can tell people, Hey, one plus one is two. And they're going to say, AB, you're a fucking idiot. It's not. Because no one wants to listen to you tell me what one plus one is. I bring in some guy from 50 miles away. Hey, guys, one plus one is two. And they're like, oh, it's the gospel according to the guy 50 miles away. That's just a reality. Yeah. But but again, I've always made it a point, no matter where I go, wherever, wherever I work, wherever I travel, you got to leave a good positive impression. And again, with that networking, I've been fortunate my first year in this position the people that I've been able to bring in, the caliber of guys, it's all by networking of people that in the past, hey, AB, things are going well. Yeah, I can help you with that. It's, you know, it's, yeah. impressions are lasting, right? Mm -hmm. Good or good or bad. And mm -hmm. you, you always got to make it a point, especially in this business, you got to make it a point to leave a better lasting impression because it'll travel with you, you know? Absolutely. There, there, there's hearsay and people's opinions that will travel. But guys that really get it, guys that are about the job, they know that's just here saying opinions. Your reputation will travel with you, and it goes on. It goes a million miles, man. No, absolutely. Your, your worth it. Your work ethic speaks volumes. Your last name's all you have. And number three for me, you're never a prophet in your own land. I'm sure there are some individuals that are like, "Why the fuck do I have my own? Why does he have his own podcast? Or why does he get to talk to people? Or, or whatever the case may be." It's just something I had an idea. I came with it, but you know, they're, they're haters out there. They're, they're, but you're killing good. it. You're killing it. I appreciate it. But I mean, I, I, I am, I am adult enough to know. I guarantee you there's someone in my department that looks at me. That's like, well, pff, fucking this guy, like whatever. Dude, I, I've dealt with that 
for 25 years. And you know what? You got to keep grinding. You got to focus on the ones that get it. Uh, being uh, another another uh, fit to fight fire, John Sparrow, mm -hmm. you know, being criticized by people that you want to be nothing like is actually success. Let those guys, there's going to be mutts in every department, you know, FTM, fuck the mutts, right? There's going to be a mutt in every department. And you know, at the end of the day, even if you're getting negative feedback, you know what they're doing? They're watching. So who cares? Give them a show, bro. Keep grinding, keep doing what you do. You're bringing tremendous stuff to this forum with the podcast, you're introducing the rest of the country, the rest of the fire service to unbelievable firemen and service leaders. And they'll never have that avenue if it wasn't for what you're doing. Keep doing it, man. And give these guys something to watch. Let them, let them hate. Because all that energy that they're putting into that, they're not putting into their own job success, which is why they lack behind. You know, People are going to remember Danny B., they're not going to remember the mutt in the back room, you know? <laughs> One thing I definitely make sure I strive not to be is a mutt. I always want to be that person that they can say, hey, he was he was always willing to do something. He gave it his all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I appreciate the words, man. I, I really Negativity do. is a contagious thing, and it's easy to get wrapped up in it. But positivity is just as, just as contagious. You, you, just, you just got to avoid it, man. Let, let, let them be negative. It's not worth it. Because for somebody to kill that drive or that passion, like that's one thing I'm a firm believer in. You will not stifle my passion. You don't have to like me. You mm -hmm. don't have to agree with me. You sure as hell don't have to follow along with me. Unfollow social media, block my phone. But bro, I'm going to keep moving every day because I'm when I leave this job, when I leave this earth, when I leave whatever, at the end of the day, oh shit, that was AB. He's the one that did that. That was great. AB, that's what I want to be known for. And again, cliche, leave it better than you found it. I want to make sure that I have an impact or an influence on somebody before I go. And if you have it on one person, all that effort for 25 years, yep. if that one person I influence made a difference, I, I did my job. Absolutely. It, and that outweighs the critics. That outweighs the Monday morning quarterbacks. That outweighs those who are insecure. You know, put a target on your back, bro. You'll be fine. Seriously. I, I what did I see that recently? Uh uh, Paul Combs. Back, back of the Bay, I think, or Paul. Oh, back Cole, of the yeah. Bay, yeah, one of those. Put a target on your back, and, and, and put make it big, make it visible for everyone to see because they're still watching. Who cares, man? You will be fine because you have that support network of the guys that get it, the ones that are out there training on the road on Saturday at eight thirty, the ones that are facetiming you at ten at night. Those are the guys that get it. Put a target on your back, man. Let the other guys look foolish. FTM. Breach, man. Breach. Um, recruitment and retention, something that, uh, it, it's 2023, almost about to be 2024 areas of the nation are struggling. I mean, oh, everybody it's, knows it's everywhere. Volunteerism everywhere. is down hell, even if, whether it's volunteer or career, there are career departments that when they open up their application pool are like, where is everybody? It's the same. I mean, when I first got on, so I, I started in 98, I, you know, I was oblivious to the fire service because I didn't come from a background where my family were volunteers or I knew a bunch of career guys. And you know, I just thought you showed up and you got a job somewhere. It was not easy, especially in Eastern Connecticut. You had like one or two major cities and then from where I grew up. And then the rest of it was all um, industrial departments. You know, we have, uh, I live in casino country, if that kind of narrows it down a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Mohegan Sun has a fire department. Foxwoods has a fire department. There's the submarine base fire department. There's electric boat fire department. There's fire department. These are all industrial-based departments. Everything else is predominantly volunteer. 
You know, there's a whole world out there for departments that as I got older, as I networked, I'm like, wow, this exists. I never heard of where I am now, you know, okay. um, but all these you would compete at that point in time. You, you, you would compete for one job in recruit school with 400 other people, 400 highly qualified people. Nowadays, it's the same 20 going to every oral interview. Mm -hmm. And when you put someone on a list, hey, we're going to call you. You're number three. By the time you get there, that person's already been sucked up. You're seeing lateral transfer positions posted all over the place. And then a month later, you're seeing entry level because they're not even getting Right. Those that are going to lateral transfer. It's crazy. I mean, it's kind of scary. You know, we, yeah. we hit we hit it hard earlier on staffing. Well, that's going to impact your staffing. If you can't hire bodies, what are you going to do? Burn your guys out? What productivity are you going to get when you burn guys out? They're going to retire, leave, or quit? It's already going you on. Know? Burnout. I, I, oh, I read an article. Uh, I can't remember the department, but... You know, the, the Mandos are so overwhelming. Oh, it was Baltimore. I watched it yesterday uh, on, on you know, the, 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 the Baltimore Fire Department of North. They they have, I think it was 130 vacancies. Oh. Uh, brownouts every day from engines to ambulances. Like, it's it's crazy what's going on. Oh, I tell you, I'll tell you right now, you, you need a shift filled to call me because I don't get to be on the floor anymore. <laughs> and I don't get overtime unless I get called back in. I'll ride the bus. Someone wants to shit the sheets. I'll be there at two in the morning because I crave it and I want it, which is why I want to go back to volunteering. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to see that in all these departments. And, and, and obviously, you, you got enough brothers on the jobs elsewhere. They tell you, now nah, I'm forced again. I'm on 72 on this and that. Wow. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I, you know, back to the industrial side, I had a buddy of mine that he trained me when I first got hired down on the other, on the other side. And, uh, they worked a 24 on 24 off. It was a DOD schedule. So he works 24, gets manned over next 24. So that's 48. Well, then it's mm -hmm. a shift again for 24. That's a lot of time away from a wife and four kids. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, the paycheck is great. But again, if you're doing this job for the right reasons, another thing I love saying, you're doing it for the outcome, not the income. Yes, I'm here to support my family. Mm -hmm. You're doing the same. However, nobody becomes a fireman to become wealthy. That's right. why we all we, we all grind on the side, right? We do what we got to do to make ends meet. We do this job because we care. We give a shit. We have a passion and a drive. But all that money in the world is not worth it when you don't have that balance and you can't be an actual person. You know, 90 something straight hours, you're not worth you're not worth spent, no. man. And I don't want you on that engine. I don't want you on that engine at all. You're Facts. burnt out. Facts. No, I agree. 100 percent agreement with you. Um Culture. And I know that was one thing very near and dear. So I, I'm going to let you have the floor on that one. I mean, culture is what creates successful departments. Culture is what creates longevity in your career. You know, um, it's a hard thing. I don't ask or expect anybody to be about the job 24 seven. If you are, I mean, I'd love to sit and have a beer with you sometime, but if you're not, that's okay. But when you're at work, I want you to give a shit about the job. Okay, mm -hmm. It's not a part-time job. It's not a day away from home. This is real shit, man. And, and, and you know, oh, it doesn't happen here. It won't happen here. Mm -hmm. Wake up. Mm -hmm. Wake up. Read the news. Go to the NIOSHs. See what's going on around you. Yeah, it's real and it can happen. You know, yeah, you might you might have 24 hours. You don't turn a wheel or it's a smell and bell call after a smell and bell call. But you know what? One day you're going to get out of your bunk. It's three in the morning. 
You go to that same messed up, cut up, old mill converted into apartments, and it's legit. You got pusher, you got fire pushing from a doorway. Yep. Oh shit. Let me wipe this out of my eyes. You gotta <laughs> care about the job. You know, when you're been on shift for an hour and your gear's still sitting in your rack, dude, shame on you, man. The public doesn't care if the toilets are clean. The public doesn't care if the floor is mopped. They care that your gear, your equipment, and your apparatus is operational and ready to roll. If you're sitting there an hour on the clock and you haven't taken your gear out of your cupboard yet, that's a problem. I don't care what you do at your other nine to five, but when you're at the firehouse, be about the firehouse, you know? And that culture, it's easier to create and develop that culture and to influence that culture when it's done just by that influence, when it's done by creating it. You can't force it because when you force it, you're going to get animosity. You're going to get pushback. You're not mm-hmm. going to get buy-in. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I keep saying, you know, fuck the mutts. Focus on the positive people because the more positive you are, the more proactive you are, the more of an example and an influence that you keep putting out there, they've got two options. They can either stand up and be counted or lay down and be mounted. Eventually, they're going to fall in line or they're just going to be miserable, you know? Um, perfect example. Like, you talk to any chief out there, career especially, their biggest obstacles – it's not getting the truck to the front of the building. Their biggest obstacles are fucking uniforms. What guys are wearing every day, that shouldn't be your problem. <laughs> However, you know, we just went through a big uniform change uh, about, about, about a year now, going on a year ago now. And it's not mandatory, but there's guys there that we went to a button-up, Class B style with patches. I've always worn a button-up from other departments. It was an enforced thing. If it's this time to this time of year, you will go long sleeve. No ands, ifs, or buts. If it's this time to this time, you wear this. So we're pretty blessed that, you know, we have every Friday, red shirt Friday. Remember everyone deployed um, during the entire month of September. You can wear any FDNY related shirt on duty. Uh, October, we have our breast cancer awareness shirts. Um, there's always something that we can do to kind of make it a little bit more fun, get some mm-hmm. buy-in, but also mm-hmm. you know pay that respect or do that fundraising aspect of it. But when it comes to your everyday professionalism, like you got to look professional. If you're in the back of an ambulance and you got a patient there in dire distress and you look like an unkept bed, that's a nickname <laughs> I gave for some of them. Like, but this guy used to look like an unkept bed. If you look like an unkept bed, you're not getting their confidence, right? Professionalism does not mean a paycheck, but professionalism is how you carry yourself, how you portray yourself, your work ethic, blah, blah, blah. Well, we had a lot of guys that wanted to get these these these, these class Bs in. Now it's on the uniform allotment. However, it's not an enforced policy. And someone said, don't enforce it because you're going to get pushback. Guys won't want to wear it. Better yet, if the six of us out of eight are wearing it every 24 or 72, guess what those other two guys are eventually going to do? They're going to stand up and be counted or lay down and be mounted, right? They fall in line. And I think it's easier, what I'm getting at is with culture, it's easier to influence that culture rather than enforce it, just like the shirt. If 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 one and then two and then three, now eight guys are wearing it, guys are more apt to buy into it. You can't force it down their throat, you know? Not everyone's going to have that passion or that desire, or that opinion, and you can't, you can't fault them for that. So you got to influence them at. And there's guys you'll never get to buy in. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's too bad. That's sad for them. Because they're never going to get to experience it like we are. Right. The go-getters, you know, the, the, I hate the term hard chargers, but like the ones that are about it, mm-hmm. it's it's not just a job. It's a lifestyle. It's got to be. If you generally give a shit, it's got to be, you know. 
Um, real quick, I can tell you a little funny story because you know there's always some of that influences you in your life, right? I've used the, the phrase now twice, stand up, be counted, lay down, be mounted. Uh, I had a deputy chief that I used to work for in another agency and uh, his nickname, and he was well aware of it, his nickname was Cactus. If you can guess why, it's because he was a prick, right? But that <laughs> that okay. was actually one of his his famous sayings was, those are your options, stand up, be counted, and so forth. And I told you earlier, I coach youth football. And like, and I'm, I mean, we we build a good culture with these kids, youth athletes. I don't teach them how to play football. I teach them how to believe in themselves. Right. And that's where it starts. As soon as that kid thinks that he's capable, thinks that he has self-worth, thinks that he can get it done, he gets it done. He's already there because he has the buy and invested interest of want to be part of a culture of football. You don't need to teach him that. You teach him the culture of family, uh, camaraderie, teamwork, all that stuff. And it, 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 it's no different with that. So we're sitting there one day and we're, we're going to playoffs, third year in a row, we're going to playoffs. And I'm like, come on, guys, you know, and I'm getting amped up. I'm like, these are your options. You got to stand up and be counted. You're laid out and be mounted. And I'm not even thinking about it. All of a sudden, every other coach is like, dude, what? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I forgot. At the end of the day, they're just kids. But like, it went over every one of their heads. Right. But at the end of the day, the tone of the voice and the passion coming out of my mouth, they understood, hey, this is ours to take. No one's going to take it from us. We'll let them take it, but we're not going to allow that to happen. And it's just, it's no different coaching football or being at the firehouse or even being at home, influencing your kids, man. Like how I treat my wife is how my daughters, two daughters I have, are going to expect someone to treat them. How I treat my wife is exactly how my son is going to treat somebody. Mm -hmm. No matter where you go, you are influencing people. Open that door and give someone that smile. It's common courtesy and respect. But you're influencing them. You know, life ain't great, but you know what? You make the best of it because it could always be worse. You're waking up every day on, on this side of the ground, six feet, right? You're waking up going to the greatest profession known to man. You're waking up every day in the greatest country in the entire world. Like we are fortunate. Get off your pity, your pity party, whatever horse it is you're on that day, and enjoy life. Make the best of what's there for you, you know. Again, going on tangent here, but that's the culture you got to create. And you've also got to find a way, though, to reach out to those that aren't either buying into it, understanding it, appreciating it, respecting it. There could be reasons why. I didn't realize that dude spent 25 years here. And guess what? He worked for shitty management and shitty leadership. He is a product of his environment. He's not an asshole. He's not a bad fireman. He does care about the job. But when somebody stifles him or her for 25 years, what do you expect them to do? Yeah. So don't gain that opinion off them or their abilities based off because they don't buy into the culture, but help bring them in. Find the things that will help bring them into that, you know? And, and and once you can stop focusing on that stuff, the negative stuff and everything, you're like, you'll be surprised. Your blood pressure comes down. Your pride continues to increase. And at the end of the day, like I said it before, if they don't, if they don't follow along with it, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because this is the greatest job in the world. Greatest job in the world. I don't care if you're riding backstep on the engine or you're driving the battalion's car. You're a fireman. You're getting paid to do it. I spent 20 some odd years volunteering to do it because I loved it. You know? Right. Right. No, no. Well said. <laughs> Mic drop. I mean, that that's 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 the the one of the best examples or iterations of culture that I've heard. Uh, so, and, and the thing is a lot of the things you, you stated, I'm sure there are, there are individuals who are like, yep, my department does this or used to do this, or yep. I know of a department that does this, uh, you know, things of that nature. 
I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. Like you said, it all. you got guys, you know, they're going to be naysayers. I know for a fact there's guys at the firehouse that speak very ill of me when I'm not around. There's some, I give them, the, I give them the credit and courtesy to do it to my face, but I will never not sit at that same table where I'm being talked about because I care and I'll continue to sit there. If you don't like it, move your seat, bro, because I'm here to make this place a better organization. You're not going to deter me. You're not going to stifle me. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't remove yourself because of people like that. You can't, you can't do that. Create that culture. When you do that, you're creating a culture that ah, it's just easier to give up. Ah, it's yeah. easier to give in. Let yeah. them have their way. Hell no. Hell no. This place is a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege to be there and treat it like that. Because as soon as you treat it like it's it's your right, your credibility goes out the window, man. And, and people see through that. The guy that walks in the door for his first week or the guy that's been there for 30 years, they see through it. Let people bark. They see through it. Sometimes the ones who are the loudest are the ones that have the most to gain. They're loud for a reason. That's how they get their attention, right? Right. Let them bark. Let them bark because everybody sees through it. They all know the true story, you know? Oh, no, for sure. Well said. Um, with that being said, uh, Hops and Halligans, let, uh, let, let everybody know about it. This is your, uh, what I call the shameless plug. This would be my fourth baby, I guess, if you will. So, you know, <clears throat> Sitting there, while I was I was still on my my original platoon when I got hired there, and uh, we're in the bunk, can't sleep at night, partially because I you know I was double fisting monsters like they're going out of style, <laughs> and uh, you know I had this idea. So I go to Maine, I go to Mass, I go to New Hampshire, I go all over the place to attend lectures and conferences and training. So why the fuck aren't we doing it here? So the next twenty four hour shift was on a you know I, I couldn't get it out of my head, and I'm writing notes, I'm plugging things into my phone. A whole ride home, the next day of a gym, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Got to make this happen. That's one thing I will say. If I'm doing something, I do it 100%. If I don't give it 100%, I don't want to get involved. Mm -hmm. So I go and I sit down, I talk to my chief and say, hey, here, I've got an idea. And he definitely was into the idea. It was about the idea, but it's like, you know, this probably isn't going to happen. Like we, we don't really at this point have the ability as a department. Or, I don't know so much if the union would get behind it. I said, listen, I'm not asking for permission. I'm asking you to come along for the ride. So mark my word, I will make this happen. This dude knows that I love the job. This He's been one of my biggest supporters and advocates since day one. You know, uh, I'll always respect, I've worked for some very, very bad management leadership in the past. This dude is awesome. But I, and I remember the conversation. I said, mark my word, this will happen. So I started networking, reaching out. And, uh, you know, one of the other departments in our district, their, one of their battalion chiefs is a co-owner and a brewmaster of a brewery the next town over and uh you know trying to extend the olive branch and, and, and reach out maybe get some of the guys from the other departments involved to come down i say hey i got this idea what do you think i'm waiting for him to tell me fuck off kid who are you you know <laughs> complete opposite he's been nothing but supportive and he's he's one of the biggest reasons we've had four sold out consecutive events okay because because the, the dude loves the job he's amazing about the job his passion for the job is the same as it is for brewing beer i'll tell you that and he's great at both of them so we throw, we start spitballing some ideas. Um, you know, we ended up bringing up uh, from Capital Fire down in Maryland, uh, RJ. RJ, uh, Robert yeah. James. Oh, yeah. First of all, RJ's father didn't realize this. That, well, when I'm starting, you're, you're reading these articles, you're watching these videos, you're going to these trainings. Then I get hired over here. His father's a senior man in one of the shifts. Oh, okay. His, right now, his father's the second senior man in the entire department. You want to okay. talk about institutional knowledge? 
that's the guy right there that has seen this department grow and prosper to what it is. And it's because of his actions. It's because of things that him and other guys have done to get us here. And you mm -hmm. can't forget that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand that and you have to appreciate that. You know, okay. some new guys don't get it. You got to. But anyway, small world, this is his father. So he's willing to come up. We're hosting at a local brewery. He's going to do this presentation, Urban Force Blanchard. I started another show at uh, Providence State and Survival Conference. I was hooked. Great job, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reaching out a little bit. I'm trying to get some vendors. I'm trying to get some sponsors. I told my wife, I was like, you know, if this thing flops, I'm fucked. I said, because I have to sell this place out. I got to sell 100 tickets. I got to pay for the presenters. I got to pay for this, pay for that. She's what are you, stupid? <laughs> She's like, where are you going to get the money from that in one of your nine part-time jobs? Like, Don't worry about it. I, I really have a good feeling about this. It's all at my fingertips, man. Email, text, phone calls, social media, which is free, by the way. So mm -hmm. this is a great avenue. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I sold the event out in less than 30 days, 100 tickets. It's game time now. The brewery's opened up. The place is mobbed. Beer's flowing. Burgers are going. Presenters get up there. There were a few hiccups. It was our first get go, but we had we had unbelievable, awesome, awesome vendors on site. Okay. Um, can I shamelessly plug a few? You know, sure. I, sure. I already I already go gave ahead. a shout out to Capital there. So uh, go ahead, go ahead. You're good. Brass City Inc. at a Waterbury. They are unbelievable. Dave and Hannah. All of our merchandise, our swag, our slaps. They've been behind that since day one, and they've been very accommodating. Their work is phenomenal, but they're at every event too. And they've been, a, I call them my OG sponsor. They've been an original sponsor for the first four events. Phenomenal people. They were on site slinging shirts. We had ragtop industry, uh, stickers, uh, helmet brass, t-shirts, hoodies, you name it. Uh, Glenn Watts, he's a lieutenant over at City of Norwich, the Rose City. He's the owner, inventor of the camera tool, the original, the one and only camera tool. Uh, Fred Malvin, I'm sure you've heard of Malvin Works. It's probably the best Halligans in the industry. All these guys were here. In Connecticut, didn't know me from the next guy. Oh, Glenn did, obviously. He's from the area, but didn't know me from the next guy. And they all took a chance to come out and present, sell their stuff, sponsor the event, put their name, put their logo on my flyer. Like, that's a risk. Mm -hmm. Who's AB? Mm -hmm. Some guys may have seen some stuff in fire and engineering. They might have seen some stuff online, but who the hell is AB? It was a success. You want to talk about cloud nine, like a natural high? I couldn't get off of it afterwards. It was amazing. We ended up raising $2,000 that got donated to in Hartford Hospital. The other opposing side is uh, Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Okay. We ended up donating $2,000 to the Craniofacial Special Purpose Fund on top of all the other stuff we were donating, you know, 100 here, 200 there, 300 there. It was amazing. And I said, wow, it works. This was this was a one-man show, but it works. And I mean, it wasn't even 24 hours later, I got guys messaging me. So when you're doing this again, I'm like, are you serious? Well, now I'm at the point Ops and Halligans 2.0 comes out. I bring in some of my boys who I've met in the past from Providence, Special Hazards, uh, Brian Bellhumor, Danny Rinaldi. They came out for Hops and Halligans 2.0. I've got vendors and sponsors reaching out to me. It's almost like a turnkey operation at this point. I don't have to chase anybody down. And it's amazing the following that's getting. So these guys come down, crush it, 21 days, sell the place out, 100 tickets. Unbelievable. Got to keep the momentum going. Tonight, doors open, 5 p.m., Concentric Brewing Company, Portland, Connecticut. Event starts at 6. I've got Josh Miller and Jason Rivera, both on the job in New Haven. They're uh, part of Northeast Squad Concepts. Jay was in uh, attendance at the last event. 
We talked. We shook hands. The guy's amazing. He's got a program to bring. So tonight is Hops and Halligan's the Northeast Experience. They're going to come in. They're going to do some engine company operations, stretching that two and a half balloon frame, triple deckers, like what we have here in mm -hmm. Mass, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I've got vendors coming in from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, like guys just want to be here. In attendance, we've got guys from every New England state with the exception of Vermont. It's just taken off like you would not believe. Talked about Dave and Hannah, Brass City, Inc. They decided to do an online merchandise store. You'd be surprised. They opened for two weeks. They shut it down, sent everything out. They sent swag from Hots and Halligans to Texas, Maryland, Georgia, North Carolina, and all New England states with the exception of Vermont. You see a trend here? I got to reach out to Vermont. So I, I see Ver it, I know? see Ver Vermont's holding back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was pretty fortunate. Again, another sold-out event. And uh, there was some people in attendance from Charlton, Massachusetts, Charlton Fire. Okay. And uh, you know, one of them said, hey, like, this is a great thing. I'd like to do something in the future. So here's my number. I will not say no. You want to raise money for a good cause? I will not say no. So Nick Esposito, Truck Tactics, I'm sure you've heard of him. If mm -hmm. you haven't, you got to look him up. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an assistant chief up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The dude's amazing. Got a great program. So we're going to be doing his uh, aggressive, I'm sorry, offensive aerial uh, operations for truck companies up in Charlton, Massachusetts, Treehouse Brewery in February. Tickets went on sale November 1st. It was sold out in 12 days i've already got 2024 lined up with a sold out show we're going to be bringing in ray mccormack in april to concentric brewery mark gregory in june to concentric brewery we're in the process of bringing hops and halligans over to the cape like it's just been an amazing amazing process which was a whim a little idea mm -hmm. to a huge following mm -hmm. and, and i mean don't get me wrong it's no longer a one-man show i got i call i refer to them as the h and h crew they're, they're like-minded people who, from the start of this, have supported my vision, supported my passion, bought into the drive. They're at every event, and, and they get an open bar. They get all the swag they want, and I treat them well because they're part of the family, and they're there to help me. They're setting up. They're cleaning up. They're doing raffles. They're doing tickets. Like That's what brotherhood's about, being there for each other. It's not that $3 sticker on the window. It's what you do for others, and every event we're doing we're, we're, we're focusing and featuring all firefighter owned and operated businesses. It's helping increase their sales, their, their notoriety, I guess, if you will. Um, <clears throat> but we're always putting that money back into other avenues to help people who are in need. Um, whether it, you know, we, we did a big uh, thing with some of the local unions called Gold Bolt for Brook back in uh, beginning of October. I think it, no, it was hotter beginning of September. Anyways, <clears throat> we all shaved our heads for $20 a piece. Twenty dollars to shave your head in consolidarity with her, you know, with with other donations and other avenues and shaving the heads. We raised ten grand for this family. Wow. You know how good that makes you feel that you can yeah. make a difference. You're not just making a difference because they have a fire. You're not making a difference because of a slip and fall. They're still part of your community, and there's a need. You have that opportunity to help them get off your ass and do it. And that's what Hobson Halligans has been about. Um, we just teamed up recently with uh, Tara. Tara Cornette from Flame Decon. Flame Decon, Flame yep. Decon. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you want to talk about willing and able. She she hit a home run with what she was doing for us. And we ended up getting Hops and Halligan soap. And we sold them for $10 a bar with 100% of the proceeds going to the Connecticut Fallen Firefighters Memorial. I mean, it, it's that easy. You're branding your product. You're helping promote a fire-owned and operated business. But in the end, 
you're benefiting someone in need. And it doesn't, I mean, Fred Malvin, I talked about him earlier. He just sent me to Connecticut, a, a brand new Halligan bar, just, just fabricated himself. The guy does the best work in the business. Nice. December 1 at midnight, we're going to put it out for a raffle. $20 a ticket, 30 tickets only. As soon as it's done, it's done. And that money is going to be used to buy toys. And the H&H crew is going to go up to CCMC in Hartford. And we're going to give toys to the kids in the cranial facial floor. There, there is a need. We're going to make sure that need is met. That's why we do what we do. And ultimately, in the end, what are we doing? We're instilling pride and camaraderie and brotherhood, and we're increasing training and morale. Nobody in attendance at these sold-out events is forced to be there. They're not asked to be there. They're not told to be there. They're there because like you and like me and like my old senior guy, they give a shit. They want to better themselves. They want to better the job. They want to constantly grind and learn. That's why this is such an easy thing. It's amazing. I cannot believe how this has taken off when it first started. And we're now to have four events lined up already for next year. And you can't tell me Ray's not going to sell out. That might sell out overnight. Shit, you know? Yeah. yeah. I probably gave it two days. One of the best, one of the best things. So that, that BC I told you about, that's one of the own co-owners and the uh, brewmasters got a wild idea. It's like, AB, why don't we make a beer for the next event? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like everyone's got a $30 homebrew kit in the basement. Turns out like shit. You throw it away. Right? No, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Open arms. Brought in the entire H and H family for a night of brewing. Next time you go get a craft beer, it's worth every penny you pay and enjoy every sip because I never realized the work that goes into doing that until you're doing it yourself. And we ended up yesterday, a small group of us along with him, we ended up canning it so we can launch it tonight. So tonight, the Backstep Brewski, it's a West Coast style red IPA. It's going to hit the taps for the first time tonight. And we canned it where you can buy a four pack of 16 ounce cans. So every can that's sold and every draft that's poured, a dollar from each one will go to the Burn Foundation at Bridgeport Hospital. So again, we're still, it's it's about giving back. You know, um, it hits the taps tonight. I'll tell you right now, it hit my lips yesterday morning. Oh my God, it's amazing. These guys are, it's down to a science. They know what they're doing. And 10-3 uh, graphics, uh, he was a Hartford fireman. Okay. This guy's another one, he, phenomenal artist. Came in, donated his time, created all the artwork for the canning. This dude now has his artwork in a in his logo on a beer can that's going to go all over the place. Like this is amazing. Right. It's it's. It, it, I'm telling you, you get the right people in your corner, and you will succeed at anything you put yourself your mind at. It's going to happen because again, it's like minded people. The mutts are going to stay home. They're gonna they're gonna get dominoes. They're gonna watch some. Four football team lose today that they've been following for 30 years. It doesn't stand a chance. But we're all out there increasing a love and passion for the job, increasing our overall human capital knowledge by training. We're going to be out there supporting our brothers that are trying to do their own businesses on the side. And at the end of the day, they're going to go to work the next day or the next shift, and they're going to feel that much more vested. They're going to feel that much better about their job. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to influence those guys on the floor. It's a triple effect. Uh, 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 um, a ripple effect, you know? Yep, yep. I mean, and it's worth every every hour of sleep I don't get. It's worth every ounce of energy that I spend. I mean, between Starbucks and Monster Energy, I, I, I'm surprised that I'm still alive, <laughs> but it is so worth it. It's so worth it. And I mean, unfortunately, it's a brewery. I'd love to bring my kids to show them what, what I was able to accomplish with a little bit of hard work, uh, a desire, and some determination, you know, and discipline on um, 
Looking forward to tonight. Tonight's going to be an unbelievable time. Again, it's Northeast squad concepts presenting the Northeast experience. Um, we're bringing in another cat. I met up in New Hampshire about three years ago. I network with this dude because my in-laws move out there. He shows me this idea. He's like, hey, I got this tool. I keep it up in the officer seat for me. I'm like, eh, yeah, I get it. Whatever. I mean, I think it's great. He's got a vision, but I'm like, I mean, I've never used it, you know? A year and a half. Fast forward a year and a half. His tool is at least, I believe, in 42 or 43 states around the country. It's unbelievable. So he's stocking up the rig. He's coming down to Connecticut today. He's going to set up shop here. He's going to raffle off Metro Ads Tool Company. Mike LaPrade, he's going to raffle one off tonight. He's going to have them there for sale. My goal now is for the start of 24 to have one in every state. I'm going to help him get one in every state in the country. The dude had a vision. He had an idea, and he pushed himself. No matter what the, the naysayers right. and the butts and the barker said, he pushed. Look at him now. He's, he's taken off. And, and that's what it's about. That's what it's about. We all help each other, man. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. No. All right. So uh, you heard it. Hops and Halligans. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do so? I'll give you my cell phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you, know, you can look us up on uh, social media platforms. Uh, you know, Instagram, it's uh, Hops and Halligans. Um, you, you go on uh, Facebook is the biggest push because we generate an event page for every event. And then as that gets tagged with every other event, People can continue to go back and look at photos, look at the sponsors, look at the products and vendors. Um, look us up, Hops and Halligans Incorporated, uh, Hops and Logo, Halligans, comma, I-N-C, period. Um, you know, it's it's a play on words. Uh, hops for the beer, Halligans for the tool. Somewhere along the lines, it popped in my head and it stuck. Uh, I love it. It's awesome, you know. And if it wasn't for the, you know, the, the, the first round of the first event, RJ and those guys, I don't know if I'd be where I am today with this, as successful as I was. Um they help to create such a good product that there's a, a, a desire for it. And mm -hmm. we're just going to, we're just going to keep grinding. The H and H crew is growing every day. Uh, our following is growing every day. And my goal now is to just, you know, increase the, increase the, uh, the amount that we can give back. That's what it's all about. All right. Shout outs to uh capital fire, RJ, um, yeah. David, stellar dude. stellar dude right there. If they're listening, uh, I bought some swag, but, <laughs> I, I, would, I, I would love uh i would love another flat bill capital hat and maybe one of those uh capital eagle sweatshirts uh just saying just saying just throwing it out there <laughs> i don't want to rub it in but i just got uh last month i just got my uh breast cancer capital hoodie in so okay okay yeah. um no no but seriously sh shout out to what those guys are doing um but um ab man this is uh like like and, and that's the thing like you know, we, we, we kind of met through social media. We follow each other look at all that stuff, but it's just, it's just crazy. Like the conversation we just had, this is the first time I'm actually seeing you. You're seeing me, the shit we talked about, like, this is what makes the fire service great. So I just want to say thank you, man, for, for, I, I, I extended the invite. You actually accepted not knowing me from Adam, man, and, and we made this happen. So I just want to say thank you very much for, no, for thank for you. I, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. I know we had a few snafus with scheduling but uh we finally got to do it and this will not be the last time i can tell you that hey i'm with it i'm with it man i'd love to see uh, how far hops and halligans goes where your career goes and yeah i'll definitely have you on for uh for, for part two for sure man brother i appreciate it and i do have to again one more shameless plug and even has nothing to do with the fire service however it's one of my brothers from my department uh, i got to give a shout out to crossroad crooks uh, my buddy Mike DP is the drummer and vocalist for a band. 
And uh, you got to look them up, Apple, Spotify, whatever avenue you listen to music, Crossroad Crooks. So I, I, I had to, sh- I had to throw it out there. I'm hey, sorry, you, man. no, no. Hey, listen, he, listen. That's the it, one thing he asked. He goes, "Hey, can you give me a shout out?" Like all joking. No, dude, I got your back, brother. Because you got mine every day. I got yours. No, it's it's nothing, man. It's it's what we do. We promote positivity. If somebody's doing something good in the fire service, man, that's the only way for it to get out. So I have no issues with it, and no if, ands, or buts. So I just want to talk say- about good. I, I, I'm gonna hold you for one more minute. I'm sorry here, but this You're guy, good. Mike, Mike MVT, MVP, uh, uh, Michael Davis Penta. Sorry. He does a program through our local every year called Adopt the Family. And what he does is, and you want to talk about networking. This guy goes out and he does the legwork and the networking every year to provide Christmases for five families in our district who are in a time of need. They get a meal, they get a tree, and they get gifts. This is all out of the goodness and kindness of his heart. This dude's not getting paid for any of it. He doesn't like recognition, but this guy is the true, like you want to talk about a good person? If there were more Michael Davis Pentas in this world, forget the fire service, the world itself would be a better place. We need more guys like him. It's all selfless acts, man. That's what it's all about. I just got to throw it out there. It's, that's him doing it outside of the line, outside of the job, giving back to his community. That right there is who we all should, excuse me, that's who we all should model ourselves after, guys like him. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, brother, I'm off to the gym, and then I got a big, exciting night, Hops and Halligan's Northeast Experience. I appreciate the opportunity, and we will be in touch soon, absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, pal, I do appreciate it. You have a rest of your good day, man. Go rock out. You too. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.